I just want to share a quick story with you. So, Joel, I'm going to ask you to put that first slide up for me, the one of the cowrie shells. Now, you probably didn't expect to come to church today <laughs> and see cowrie shells. But um, these, are, um, these are an amazing, amazing type of shell. They're my favorite kind of shell. Um, the ones that you're seeing up there are actually ones that I have found on different beaches over the years. And um, how many of you have ever like picked up a cowrie shell or found a cowrie shell on the beach? Put up your hand if you've uh, done that. Okay, a number of you. So you know it's, it's, a, it's a quite a beautiful thing to find one of those shells on the beach and to find one intact is quite amazing because often you'll find half of one, but to find a whole one is beautiful. And um, they're, they're very unique. They're actually the shell of a creature. Uh, it's, a, it's a sea snail. And um, this sea snail, its skin actually folds up and over the shell, and that's what makes those beautiful imprints. And so every single cowrie shell in the world is unique. Isn't that beautiful? And it just speaks to the, the creativity and the magnificence of who, of who God is. He loves our uniqueness. His, his, his stamp of uniqueness and loving the individual is everywhere, right? Even, even down to sea snails. But there's something else about these shells that is very interesting. Who knows um, what these shells were used for throughout history? Anyone got an idea? Put up your hand if you know. Money, exactly. Currency, all right? Do you know that cowrie shells have been used for over 4,000 years as currency? And so starting in 2000 BC, that's the earliest record, right the way through, you may not have known this, till 1960, in parts of the world, cowrie shells were still being used as currency. Now, what on earth does this have to do with today's preach? Well, I want to ask you, what does currency do? Currency makes things accessible. Would you agree? Currency, if we have the proper currency in a situation, we have the ability to get access to something that otherwise we wouldn't. So you, you can't just go into a place and not have the proper currency. It doesn't matter what you'll do. When I flew here many, many years ago, when I left South Africa and flew here, I sat in Athens airport for 12 hours. It was not a good experience. <laughs> it really wasn't. And I didn't have the proper currency. I couldn't access water. I couldn't access food. They, I, I did not have the proper currency. And so for 12 hours, I sat in Athens airport waiting for my connecting flight to Toronto, and I could do nothing. The water was there. The food was there. There was there, The availability was all around me, but I didn't have the proper currency. I couldn't access it, right? So um, I now want you to just look very quickly at the brown cowrie shell. Do you see the, the beautiful chocolate brown one? And I want to tell you a, a very um, quick story about this. So these shells, and in particular that one, were found at a beach in South Africa where before the waves get to the beach, they have to wash over a huge span of incredibly sharp, jagged rocks that are full of oyster beds and barnacles, and you can rip your feet up on them really, really quickly. And so it's quite amazing in this stretch of beach that you can actually find shells that are intact. 
because they've washed over these rocks and many of them have just been shattered and you find little bits of shell, not, not beautiful ones like that. And um, we, we, were at, um, we were at this beach. It was, um, I think it was 2019. And um, Seth knows how much I love cowrie shells. And Joel knows. And Joel's found a cowrie shell before, an intact one. But this, this day, Seth wanted his own cowrie shell. Right? He, he wanted this special thing. And he prayed an incredibly faithful prayer. He said, thank you, Lord, that you are able to help me find my own whole intact cowrie shell. And I was watching this going, Ooh, <laughs> I'm not so sure. Please, Lord, you know, <laughs> like honor the faith of a child, right? But he was adamant. And so when low tide came and the, the waves receded enough, we started walking amongst these hard, jagged rocks, barnacles everywhere. It's not, they, you really can get injured. And there, in among the most jagged of the rocks, was this perfect, intact, brown cowrie shell. It literally looked just like that. It's in our house today, you can see it. <laughs> but here's the thing. As Seth lifted that cowrie shell up out of those rocks, the Holy Spirit said to me, Lee, faith is the currency of my kingdom. Isn't that amazing? The Lord is incredible. He takes objects and he makes a profound statement. And it changed, it changed the way I looked at life. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. We are busy doing a series called Life with God. Last week, we know that um, if you were here, James spoke about how so often people um, live in fear, they're motivated by fear, and when we're motivated by fear, we, we grab onto control. We do everything possible to make ourselves feel safer, um, more secure, but the reality is, is that control really is an illusion. And um, we looked at the fact that even as Christians, what happens is that we think we're trusting God, but we often come from one of four postures where we are either living uh, what can be titled under God, where we think everything's just cause and effect. So if I do this, God will do that, right? So if, I'm, if, I, if I make sure I'm good enough, then my life will be blessed. Or some of us often take the posture of living, it's called life over God, where we literally almost abandon that personal relationship that Nikki was speaking about. We, we abandon that and we, we just kind of take hold of the principles and the formulas of Christianity. And we, we live by the six latest principles for a successful life. And, um, and so we've, we've actually moved away from that beautiful relational um, situation that God has, has called us into. Or we will very often just want his, his blessings and his benefits, but we don't really, at the end of the day, want him. And um, the fourth posture is sometimes the one that a lot of us can fall into very easily. And it's the one where we think, 
I'm going to go do great things for God. If I do great exploits, surely then I will be greatly blessed. Or at the very least, I'll be taken care of. I'll be secure. Nothing bad will happen. But all of those postures, actually, when we boil it down, mean that we're still in control. We're still trying to control the outcomes. We're still going, if, then, you know, kind of like coding, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if this, then that, you know. And God says, no, it's not a code. It's not a formula. It's a relationship. You're invited into a relationship. And the choice is yours. Do you stay in control? Or are you in this relationship going to give over control to me? And will you truly surrender? And, um, you know, the motivation for everything in God's kingdom is love. The why under everything is, is love. It's his love and it's his goodness. And Paul says to us that it's the love of God that compels him. So in this kingdom, if we're living in this kingdom, we're living the motivation for everything that happens in this kingdom is the love of God, right? We, we know in John 3.16, it says it, it was the, the love of God, for God so loved the world that he gave us his only son. So everything in this kingdom is motivated by love, and he invites us to do life not under him, over him, or for him. He invites us to do life with him. Say that with me. Say life with him. It's a very, very different place to live from. And the Holy Spirit is with us to enable us to do this. But in order to access this kingdom, in order to access all the things that Jesus has made available, friends, to us, we need the currency of faith. It's the only way this kingdom gets accessed. Does that make sense? And this is what God is actually calling us into. Two weeks ago, when Bridget was here, Bridget and Mark from, from the bridge, she gave us a prophetic word. Do you remember it? She said, God is saying, I want to release faith to you because you're going to need it for this next season. He said, I want to increase your faith. Everything is accessed in the kingdom by faith. And so that's what we are looking at today. How do we do life with God? How do we do a life lived by faith? All right, are you with me here? All right, so very interesting. Um, a couple of months ago, um, I, was, I was driving along here, Ontario, and I literally just looked to the side, and in a bus stop was a man who... Looked honestly, I, I literally in my spirit felt like death was all over him. He he had clearly been in some kind of um, altercation. He was cut up. His arm was all bandaged, and he was sitting in this bus stop. And it was so compelling that I literally I was going in one direction. I had to turn. I turned my car completely around. I found a place to park, and I went over to him, and I, I just said to him, "Sir, are you all right?" 
And he spun around, and I went, oh, <laughs> I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> but you could just feel God's desperation to grab hold of this man. I felt like the spirit of death was, was just hovering over this man. And, um, and, I just, and he, he just looks at me. I literally just, the, the, the animosity, right, that, that just came from him and uh, was, was, was quite shocking. And I, I just said to him, I don't know what you believe, and I don't know what you're facing right now. I just know I was driving down the road, and God's love for you compelled me to pull my car over and come and let you know that you are loved, and he is willing to heal you. Can I pray with you? And do you know what he said? He said to me, why would I want the help from a God who wants to dictate my life and all he wants is for me to bow down and worship him. Why would I want that? And I just had tears pouring down my face. And I said to him, if you only knew him, you'd know that none of that is true. He is not a dictator. He's a father. And he said to me, well, I don't need anybody, right? Now, this man is so broken. And you could feel God's heart breaking over where that man was. And he was such a picture for me of the world. And no matter how desperate and broken our state is, people can't even see their desperate need for God. And they've been, they've been presented with a picture that is so the opposite of who our Lord and God actually is. And it's why I know God is speaking to the church worldwide. And he's going, come on, kids. Let's go call them home. Will you have faith in me? Will you trust me? Will you surrender your lives to me for the sake of those that don't know this love yet? And it doesn't matter how they respond initially, I'm at work. Will you come and surrender yourselves to me so that together we can partner and we can, we can show them the love that is real and the hope that is out there for them. And you know, I just said to this man, because he, he, he was very resistant and so you, you never, you never force. I, I just said to him, sir, I bless you in the name of Jesus with healing, and I bless you with a knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, that you would be able to come into a relationship with him. And then I walked away, and I got in my car, and I sobbed. Because you could just feel God's heart, right, for this man. And I thought, oh, Lord, we are surrounded by people like this all the time, friends, and God is wanting to reach them. So let's look at this, this life lived with faith. All right? What does that look like? Faith is the currency of the kingdom. What does that look like? So a couple of scriptures on faith. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Good place to start because it actually describes what faith is. So um, this is the faith in Christ, right? It's not the faith where I sit on a chair and I'm having faith that that chair is not going to break, all right? I've got faith in the designer. I've got faith in the materials. I've got faith in the person who assembled the chair. That is faith. That is a trusting 
in something that I can't quite control, but I am trusting in the chair's ability to hold me. This is, this is trusting. Faith is trusting that God is who he says he is. And therefore, I am who he says I am. And situations will be the way he says they will be. So in Hebrews 11.1, 1, I think we have a slide for it. It says, now faith is the assurance. And uh, I just put there, it's the, it's the being certain of things hoped for, the conviction or the confident expectation of things not yet seen. So faith is a posture. Faith is, it's a, it's a position that you choose to live from. And it's going to inform all of our actions. Uh, second slide we've got is Ephesians 2. It says, for by grace you have been saved through what? Faith, all right? And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. It is a gift. And this gift of faith enables us to access the grace of God. Isn't that amazing? And it's not of our own doing. The Holy Spirit is the one who actually even enables us to even understand and receive the beautiful things that Jesus has done. None of this is, is, is from, from us. We, we don't initiate any of this. We're loved because he first loved us. We're, we're saved because Jesus made a way for us 2,000 years ago. None of this is, is from our own doing. It's all because of the grace of God. But he calls us into a life of faith, which is a life of trusting him, having a confident expectation that when God says something, it will be. And that's where we put our hope and our trust. If we look at our Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. And I used to look at the scripture and go, Lord, that's not fair. Because sometimes our faith wavers, right? Sometimes we feel like we have very little faith, very little ability to trust. Fear has come in and it's robbed us of, of, of our faith. And, um, but it says clearly, without faith, it is impossible to please him. But when I understood that faith is the currency of the kingdom, we access everything that is available for us in the kingdom through faith. This scripture makes sense because God is saying, if you choose to not trust me, if you're choosing to not have a confident expectation of who I am and what I can do, then why would you want to live in this kingdom? Because the only way you're going to access everything that is available to you is on the basis of who I am. And so if we're saying, I don't have faith in you, God, you're saying, then, then you're saying that everything that God says is true and right and available isn't. And so you, you can't live in that kingdom without faith. He's going, it's, it's impossible. It's impossible. You're, you're wanting the things of one kingdom over here and you're trying to access another by the rules that only apply in this one. It doesn't work. And so he says, it's impossible without faith to please me because you're rejecting me. You're rejecting who I am because faith is a response to who I am. We know a creature that did this. 
Satan. Satan tried to live in the kingdom of God, rejecting who God was, and we know what happened. We live, we live still under the effects of that. And so it's really important, friends, that, that today, if you find yourself in a place where your faith is wavering, I want you to hear that the Holy Spirit is going, I love you, you can trust me, I am with you, and if you ask me, I'll give you the gift of faith. The gift of faith is one of the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to the church so we can be the people God has created us to be and so we can do the things he's asked us to do and we can partner with him and we can access everything that's in his kingdom that we need and we can take hold of that and we can go and be good stewards of it to the world around us so they can encounter God and his kingdom for themselves. And when people have encounters like Nikki was speaking about, things happen and lives change. And we're sitting here today because we've already encountered that to a measure. And if you're sitting here today and you don't relate to what I'm saying and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, today is your day because it's not a coincidence that you are sitting here and hearing this. And you get to exercise a choice today and say, Jesus, I'm going to take you at your word that you love me and that you are God and you have made a way for me to have an eternal relationship with you. And I'm going to say, yes, I'm going to exercise faith, a choice to believe that you are who you say you are and you will do what you say you will do. And my confidence will not be in my own abilities. My confidence will not be in how much I get to control my life. My confidence will be in you, Jesus Christ, and in no one else. That's salvation. It is a life made completely new. It is an exchange of an old dead life for a brand new life. You are a new creation, something that never existed before. And it's accessed by faith. And you're hearing it today, so you have a choice today. And I pray with all my heart that you'll take God at his word. In, um, in Mark... Um, Nine, wonderful story. It says, um, it's the story about the, the, the man who brings his son to Jesus. He's taken his son to the disciples. Um, he's asked them to please cast the, this evil spirit out of his son that has been trying to kill him since birth. And the disciples can't do it. And so the man comes and he just says to Jesus, please, I asked your disciples. They couldn't do anything. But if, if, if you can, please help us. And Jesus says, if you can, <laughs> he's like, it's so incredulous, if you can. And then he says these wonderful words. He says, everything is possible for one who believes, for one who has faith. Because believe what? Believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Everything then is possible. And it's one of my favorite lines because it doesn't stop there. It records what this precious father says. He says, I do believe. Help me in my unbelief. I sometimes think that line was put in the Bible just for me. Because <laughs> it gives me so much hope. I have said those words to God so many times. I do believe, Lord. 
help me in my unbelief. And when we say those words, I think it's just like a magnet to, to the heart of God. And he's like, oh, I'll just show you again how much I love you. I'll just show you again how magnificent I am and how precious you are to me. Oh, yes, this is an opportunity. Here we go. If you're in that place today, I just want to encourage you, please say these words. I, I do believe, Lord. I, I want to believe but right now, fear is just pounding me on every side. I'm, I'm so afraid. I don't know what to do. I'm desperate. I'm confused. So many things have happened and I don't have answers for them. I want to believe, but I don't know how. That's honest. That looks like a relationship. No formulas, no pretense. No, well, if you do this, then I'll do that. mm just honest, real, raw. I do believe, but God, right now, there's all of this and I don't know what to do with it and it's crushing me. Help me in my unbelief. In um, 2 Corinthians 5, it says this amazing thing. It says, we walk by faith and not by sight. Say that with me. Say, we walk by faith and not by sight. Say that again. We walk by faith and not by sight. That's easy to say it, but it can be pretty tricky to do it, <laughs> right? And, um, you know, the first time I ever had the opportunity to preach, we were doing an outreach. It was in a very, very rural part of South Africa. It's a very beautiful part of South Africa, it's called Valley of a Thousand Hills, and it literally looks like a Valley of a Thousand Hills. But the hills there are not the hills of Ontario. The hills of Ontario, you can climb up in about three minutes. <laughs> okay. The Valley of a Thousand Hills, you walk for hours sometimes to get up just one of those hills. And it's not all like lush, rolling green grass. It's African bush, right? So um, African bush is full of gorgeous, but, but, but uh, an abundance of, of vegetation and acacia trees with thorns that are this long and, um, and we were in this place, and the man who was our contact for the area had said to us, I have found a community of people who have never heard about Jesus. They are under the control of a witch doctor, and they have no understanding that there is a God that loves them. Will you come with and help them get to know Jesus? And we said, sure. And we said, where do we go? There are no paths. There were no, there were no trails. There was nothing. It, it was literally the African bush. It, yeah, it was, it was a little daunting. And so we, we were like, okay, where do we go? And this, this man knew. So he, he, he said, no, it's just over there. <laughs> and we went, okay. And this became the greatest walk of faith, <laughs> let me tell you, because we walked and we walked and we walked. And we were literally having to, there literally was not even a path. There was not even a little dust trail. And we were literally having to like push, like at times, like push the vegetation out of our way. And then we'd like, and going past acacia trees. And I still have a faint scar on my arm from where one of the thorns kind of cut me as we were walking. And we got to the top of the first hill and we were like, 
we don't see anything. And he went, no, no, it's just over there. <laughs> and we went, okay. And so we kept walking and we kept walking and we were getting hotter and hotter and dustier and dirtier. And we kept walking and every time we came to the top of a hill, he would go, it's just over there. <laughs> and we would keep going. And it took us hours. But when we finally arrived, people were waiting. And that day, a community came to know Jesus. That day, a community came to understand that they no longer had to live in the grip of fear and control from the dominion of darkness. They encountered the kingdom of light. They encountered a God of love, and their lives were changed. But it was such a picture for me of this scripture of walking by faith and not by sight, because sometimes our lives feel like the journey that day. Sometimes our lives feel like, where are we going? Are we ever going to get there, Lord? It just seems like the, the more I follow you, the hotter it gets. I still don't understand the end goal. I, I, it doesn't feel like things are getting better. Do any of you relate to any of this? I'm seeing a lot of nodding heads, right? We go through those seasons where it feels like this. But the end goal that day was that an entire community came to know Jesus. And the, 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 the end of your story is only known by the Lord. But I just want to encourage you today, if you feel like this, keep walking by faith and not by sight. It's worth it. It means walking, allowing God to dictate what you do and not your circumstances. And um, for me, I, I just want to suggest to us that faith is not blind. You know, sometimes people go, well, that's just blind faith. We just, we just put our heads down and we just go for it. But, but I don't think faith is blind at all. I think faith is visionary. See, faith, faith says... I'm going to do what my father says he sees is going to happen. I'm going to do what, what, what his heart wants to happen in that situation. Jesus modeled this for us, right? Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. Faith is not blind. It's visionary. When you live by faith... Don't let people discourage you and go, oh, you know, you're just, that's just wishful thinking. No, it's visionary. It's seeing beyond what is now to what is possible. It's going, I'm going to let my actions be dictated to by what God says can be, not what my present circumstances are trying to tell me. And there's a, a wonderful scripture in, um, um, in Romans 4, which we know very well. And it's one of my life passages. And it's where a man determined this very thing. His name is Abraham. And Abraham, thousands of years ago, was approached by God because God is always the one that initiates. He always is the one that comes and finds us. And he had said to Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. The problem was Abraham didn't even have a single child. And at the time when God gave him this promise, Abraham was 100 years old and his wife certainly could not bear any children any longer and never had. And um, 
it says in Romans 4, Paul is talking and he, he reminds the believers of this story and um, of, um, of Abraham. And it says, it says this in verse 17, um, it's, it's talking and it says that Abraham was aware that God is the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that are not visionary. And, uh, and then it says this, uh, verse 18, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. It says in verse 19, without weakening in his faith, without weakening in his faith, the currency of the kingdom, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. And Sarah's womb was also dead. And it says, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God. But he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. How would your situation change today if you determined to start living from this perspective. Lord, I face the fact, and you name it, whatever your circumstances are, I face the fact that right now I don't have a job. I face the fact, God never asks us to pretend. I face the fact, Lord, that I am facing a long road to recovery. I face the fact, Lord, that right now in my body, I am experiencing this and this and this. But then it says, strengthened in his faith, faith, he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. A person that is a huge example of this to me is Josh. Because, because when Josh and Alex um, lost their house in the fire, and then um, she was pregnant and they had nowhere to live, it's very biblical, isn't it? <laughs> And it's so easy after the fact. But it was absolutely desperate. They, they lost everything. They had no idea where they were going to live. They had no idea what life was going to look like. Josh, I'm talking about you. <laughs> Good time to walk in, dude. <laughs> and um, they had no idea. But I watched Josh and Alex do what Abraham did here. Josh and Alex faced the fact, Lord, we have no home. We have no idea what's going to happen up ahead, but you, you're going to take care of us. They did what Abraham did. They, they allowed the Holy Spirit to strengthen them because they didn't try to take control. They didn't try to mitigate their fears by clinging onto things or grasping at anything they could find. I watched this couple relinquish all control to the Lord and put their faith solidly in him, and they faced the fact, and they cried when they needed to, and they, they did what they needed to, but they surrendered to him. And they watched his faithfulness in action. They accessed what was available to them in him because they determined that they would put their faith in him. They used the currency of the kingdom. And their story is profound. And it's theirs to tell. But you should have them over and ask them <laughs> because they have a phenomenal testimony about the goodness and the faithfulness of God. 
And it's why their son bears the name that he does. They are for me a current present day picture of this very scripture in action. So friends, just to end off with faith by its very nature requires action. Right? It's why James says, in the book of James, he says, not my James, <laughs> the book of James, it says, you say you have faith, he says, show me your works. Because he says, faith without action, faith that doesn't result in something is dead. Right? And he's right. He's absolutely right. Because here's the other thing that the Holy Spirit has taught me. He says, faith requires responsibility. Do you know why? Because responsibility, I love how God like breaks words apart and brings uh, just understanding to them for me. God said to me, responsibility means your response to my ability. That changes everything for me. Because faith, if I understand that this is who God is, then God says, because of who I am, this is how you're going to be. That's action right there. So now, because I believe you, Lord, I must act. But am I going to act and now I have to bring things about? No. I'm going to take responsibility for the truth of what I know and who I know. And then I'm going to respond to who I know you to be, Lord. And when we respond to who we know him to be, our response is going to be very faith-filled. The beautiful thing is that he's the one who does it. It's his power. It's his ability working through me. I just need to respond to the truth of who he is. So the man at the bus stop, all that was happening was I was responding. I was taking responsibility as one of God's children I am responsible to bring his life and power and, and the knowledge of him to this world. Does that make sense? Okay, if that applies to you, put up your hand. If it is your responsibility as a believer to bring God's love and power and truth to this world, please put your hand high. Because every one of you should have your hand up right now. Because <laughs> that's our mandate, right? Go and make disciples. This is how we do it. You know, this one, this is how we do it. I shouldn't start singing, but, but literally that's what I'm hearing, right? Like, I know. It's a, this is what we do. This is what we're called to do. We are called to respond to his ability. And when we live like that, there is no circumstance that can dictate to you. Because it's not about our circumstances, it's about his ability. And where is he in every situation? Right here with us. Never once for a moment do we have to call out to him thinking that he's too busy somewhere else. He lives with us. He's in the inside of us. And he promises he'll never leave. So friends, it's our response to his ability. Right? Faith involves speaking. There has been a terrible, terrible teaching for many decades called name it and claim it. That's kind of the colloquial way of describing the, that particular doctrine. This is not name it and claim it. This is not you being in control 
and controlling God and saying, oh, well, Lord, you said it. So therefore you have to do it and you, you're going to do it like this for me. It's a misinterpretation of faith. It's a misinterpretation of understanding. We've, we've been invited into the most powerful, life-giving relationship. We've been invited to be new creations. We've been invited into the family of God. And we're invited to exercise faith in this God, a confident expectation in who he is. And as a result of standing and living from that basis, we have access to the kingdom of this loving, good God. And we have access to everything in this kingdom in order to bring that kingdom and everything that it is into this world, into our particular sphere of influence, so this world could know that one. It's not name it and claim it. It's lives fully surrendered and lives no longer controlled by fear because his perfect love costs that out. But it is a life, the life with faith and the life lived with God is a life of action, not passivity. It's a life that requires speaking into situations. Jesus said it in a Matthew, it's the last scripture we'll look at, uh, Matthew 17. Jesus said, for truly I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, that is very good news for me. <laughs> Because sometimes I don't think I've had faith that's much bigger than that. <laughs> Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, tells you how powerful faith must be. He says, then you can say to this mountain, not hope, not in your mind, just think about. You can say to this mountain, move. And he says, and it will move from here to there. Nothing will be impossible for you. These are Jesus' words. So what mountain are you facing right now? Because that's what the Holy Spirit is asking us this morning. What is looming in front of you and it feels like a mountain right now? Because he says, if you'll, if you'll use the currency of my kingdom, which is faith, it's trusting me, having a confident expectation in who I am, then you can come to me. And let me share my heart and my thoughts with you about your current situation. Let me tell you how I see your mountain. And then when God has shown you his perspective of your situation, you speak his perspective over your situation. And then you watch him move. God wants to work on our behalf. He, he is the most loving, incredible father and he will either move the mountain or he'll just walk with you right over it. But one way or the other, you will get to the other side. And he'll be with you every moment of that journey. He's never failed me for a moment. He's been with me every step of this journey in Canada. And it's been a wild ride. <laughs> but never once. Was he anything other than loving, faithful, 
profoundly powerful, kind, gracious, encouraging. He has carried me through the darkest of times. This is our God. And so, friends, what do we do? Right? So we, we hear all of this, but we need to put some action to this. So I just want to suggest to you, as we, as we just like end here, that um, if you've been living in dead works, if your relationship with Jesus has looked like just a whole lot of ritual and tradition and just doing the same old, same old, because that's kind of what a Christian does, I just want to invite you today to actually just repent of dead works. Faith without works is dead. Right? Let's let's put the old dead works aside. Let's let's be a community of believers that understand that faith is the currency of the kingdom. We're gonna put our faith completely in our amazing God, and then we're gonna go and we're gonna actually start following him on a daily basis and stepping into the things that he has for us to step into for the sake of those that don't know him yet. It just means coming into agreement with God's perspective and ability in your situation. So repent of you being in control. And repent just simply means you were doing it this way and you go, I hear that is not the way to go. And you turn around and you start walking in a different direction. So you walk towards God. You walk in agreement with what he's saying, not with what you were feeling to do. You go with him. So let's just repent of dead works. Let's come into agreement with God's ability. And let's stand with one another. When when you're going through something really hard, if you don't have faith, let someone else know. I can come alongside you. I I can have faith for you until your faith is strong enough again. That's why we're here, to encourage one another, right? We don't do this alone. But we need to respond to the truth that he is with us in the everyday moments, and then we need to attach faith to our everyday moments. I want to challenge you this week. If you've had a particular perspective about your circumstances, will you attach faith, the confident expectation in who God is, will you attach faith to your situation and and ask God to meet you in that place and start to show you how he wants to work in those circumstances? It will change everything. And so, my friends, if nothing else, I just want to leave us today with those two understandings, that faith is the currency of the kingdom. And taking responsibility as children of God for what he's given us to do looks like this. It just means we respond to his ability. All right? So I just want to ask us this week, let's do that. Let's live out a response to his ability and what his heart would want to do in the situations that are around us. And I think we're going to start seeing some wonderful things begin to happen. Yeah, absolutely. So I just want to ask you, if, um, if you're here today and fear has had a massive hold on you, God wants to break that. He wants to replace it with his love. His perfect love casts out fear. If you recognize there's just an area of passivity in your life, there's um, there's just aspects of your life where just the life of God is not flowing, or you've 
even maybe felt paralyzed. You're just like, God, I, I just don't even know what to do. You know? And you've just, you've just kind of relinquished um, anything that you know you should actually be doing and you, you're just feeling passive. Or if you're in a place where you really do need faith for a situation because you've, you've, you've just lost, you've lost hope and you've lost, you've lost faith. Maybe, maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a situation that just keeps getting worse when, when you're praying so hard and you just don't understand what's happening. If you need faith, if you need people to come alongside you, we're going to um, give you an opportunity. And um, if you want the gift of faith, <laughs> take it today. I am so grateful. God gave me the gift of faith and I could never have got through some of the situations that he has led me through if it wasn't for him and his enabling. We need the gift of faith, friends. We really do. Let, let us actively ask the Holy Spirit for the gift of faith. And then the last uh, thing I just felt was God saying, um, and was highlighted in the last song we sang. He, I just felt him say there were some people here today that truly are brokenhearted. And he said, I just, I just want to come and restore. I want to just breathe life and faith and hope over broken hearts. So um, if any of those situations resonate with you, you're in fear, you feel like there's an area where you're just passive, um, you just need faith, you need people around you, or you want the gift of faith, if any of those apply to you, why don't you just stand right now? And... Um, and we're just going to pray. All right. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yep. Beautiful. All right. I'm going to pray. And this is how we'll end. But then I'm going to invite, once we've prayed, I'm going to invite you, if you, if you are brokenhearted, or if you want the gift of faith, you're like, Lord, I need an increased measure of faith for, for what's ahead. I, I, I want to wholeheartedly access the kingdom, the currency of faith. I, I want to be someone who will believe you no matter what is around me. If you're brokenhearted or you want that afterwards, please come on down. And next, I'm going to ask you and your friends to come and uh, pray as well, like with us. So if you, if you want particular ministry for that, please come on down afterwards. But right now, we're just going to pray over those situations. So Lord, I thank you that everything is possible for you. Father, you know every single one of the situations represented here. You know every precious person. They are so precious to you, Lord. I release, Lord, Faith. Just release your faith, Lord. The ability to take hold of who you are, Lord. The ability to trust who you are. To have a confident expectation that you will be who you say you are, God. Just hear God saying, you will yet see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's what he speaks over you in your situations. You will yet see the goodness of the Lord 
in the land of the living. It means you will see his goodness on this side of the grave. You will see his goodness. Father, where we have been crippled by fear, I thank you now that that spirit of fear must leave your children because your love, Lord, comes in and surrounds and fills. And Lord, we will no longer partner with fear. We will not give way to its voice. We will remind ourselves daily that your love casts out fear and we do not need to be afraid. You are with us, Lord. You are with us. Father, in areas that are passive, in parts of our life, Lord, where where action is required and we have been too afraid or we have not known what to do, today, Lord, we respond to your ability and we say, Lord, you come and have your way. We will partner with you today. We will no longer be a people of inaction. We will be a people who put your faith, Lord, your, your magnificence. We, we will put it into action, Lord. You are trustworthy. And Lord, for those that are standing here, and Lord, they have felt like their knees and their ankles are feeble and weak, and they feel like they are stumbling, and every day is difficult for them, Lord. Every day is a struggle. And they have just kept going, but they they keep saying, I don't know if I can keep doing this, Lord. I just thank you right now, Lord, for a stirring up in their spirit. And I thank you that all arguments that have set themselves up against the knowledge of you and, and everything that you have available to them, I thank you that those arguments come down now. And I just thank you for a release, Lord, of faith. And I release your hope, Lord, over those situations. And I thank you, Lord, that in the days to come, things will look remarkably different. Even if the circumstances stay the same, their experience will be so different because they will understand that they live each and every moment with the living God. And with you, Jesus, all things are possible. I thank you that mountains are going to move. I thank you, Lord, that you have the willingness and ability and the power to get us to the other side. I bless these precious ones in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. So friends, I just bless you. Have a wonderful, faith-filled week. And please, if you want just some individual prayer, if you want that gift of faith, Lord, I, I, just, I need a, a new measure of faith. I need to encounter you. Please come on down here. And particularly, if, if you would say, you're just, there's, there's just brokenheartedness would be something that characterizes your life right now. Please come on down. We would just love to stand alongside you and and just minister God's love and grace to you because he wants to reach you and restore today. So if any of those situations apply to you, come on down. We'd be so happy to pray for you. Otherwise, please, tea, coffee, cookies outside. Go and encourage one another. Find out how you can encourage someone else in their faith today. All right. Love you guys. Bless you.